Amen. You know, as we were singing all the songs second service, it was interesting. I was like, wow, that really lines up with the sermon. Like every song and, and almost every song had something I said. And, my, and I was like, wow, this is, how, how, how much is that the Lord, right? That he does things like that. So we're continuing the book of Matthew. Um, Pastor Matt is preaching at another church that we're um, trying to form a relationship with. And so um, it's good that our churches are getting connected. And so I didn't know I was going to preach until um, last Sunday night. And I had to preach Wednesday night at the women's thing. And so I spent about 30 hours this week on sermon prep. Well, and so I'm going to read this scripture and you're going to see, because you probably heard so many, uh, so many sermons based on this portion of scripture. And what God showed me was different than what I initially wanted to preach on. And uh, this is uh, Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 27. It says, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said, do you believe that I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were open and Jesus sternly warned them saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. And you've probably heard sermons on faith. You've probably heard hundreds of sermons of faith based on this scripture. And this is not what the Lord showed me today. So what is this saying here? So it says, when Jesus departed, so he had departed from the ruler's house. There was two blind men who had heard of him being there, and they waited for him to come out. Okay, They followed him, and as he went through the streets, they were crying, Jesus, they said, thou son of David, have mercy on us. And so the title here that, these, that they're using was showing that they believed him to be Messiah. For at this time, it was universally understood among Jews that Messiah would be a descendant of David. So they say, son of David. He was known by Song of Solomon of David was one of the names that the Jews ascribed to him. And these men were blind. This is important because they could have no evidence of Christ's miracles from their senses. They believed them based on the testimony of others who had seen them. Viewed in this light, their, their persuasion of Christ's power to cure them was an exercise of faith that they heard from others and reflected great honor upon Jesus. So the blind men come to Jesus. They followed him into the house. They showed a determination to persevere until they obtained what they asked for. And Jesus asked them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? Do you believe I'm able to work this miracle? And though they had followed him and cried after him, he required of them an open profession of their faith in regard to his power. And they said to him, yes, Lord, we have no doubt of this. We came with this assurance. We followed you with that belief. And it was our simple profession of faith that the miracle was performed. And so Jesus touches their eyes. This is the first recorded instance in scripture where Jesus uh, uses this method of healing. He does it also um, in the case of the deaf man where he touches his ears. And he says, according to your faith that you have believed, you can be healed. And they were healed accordingly. Their faith work, working respectively with the power of Christ 
and it brought absolute restoration to their sight. Jesus charged them then saying, see that no man knows it. Now, this was a strict charge. Okay. The way that this is worded here in scripture, um, the, the, that Christ used sternness and there was a severity of expression. So he talked to them in a very rough manner. He said, tell no one. Now, there's reasons for concealing the miracles. Um, they're not obvious to us, nor are they recorded. Why he said, do not tell anyone. Perhaps it was to shun all appearance of vainglory or seeking popular applause. Or maybe Christ did not choose to be made known by this miracle at this time or by these men. He might have foreseen bad consequences to ha- happening to these men or to irritate the resentments of those that were rising up against him. Who knows? Maybe it was to keep the crowd from setting him up for the temporary king among them. We don't know. We're not said that. <clears throat> and it would, have been, it would have been better for these blind men then to obey that command of silence. So their conduct's not necessarily to be commended, yet their conduct is not without affording us a means of inferring how great is the effect which the power of Christ has on those who have experienced it. How great is the effect which the power of Christ has on those who have experienced it. They spread his fame in that country and not with any contempt of Christ or his orders, but out of gratitude and through an honest zeal to spread his honor, to spread his glory to all who would listen. How could they not? Their eyes have just been opened. How could they not? They were blind and now they see. How could they not? And we have no such command to keep silent. If we have moved from death to life and we were blind, but now we see, how can we not tell all who will listen? Thanks, Brother Paul. And I remember the exact time I was born again. I don't, I don't remember the exact day because I didn't write down, but I, I remember the exact time because it was literally like I had been blind my whole life. And the Holy Spirit came in and there were scales lifted off my eyes and I began to see differently. And all of a sudden I had a sin conscience and I was fully aware that my sin had been an offense of God. And I was fully aware that I did not deserve what I had just received. I was fully aware of it. I don't know how, but the Holy Spirit did that inside me. And I was raised up a new creation. How could I not tell everyone what just happened to me? I was dead and then I lived. I was blind and now I see. How could I not? This is... Uh, a story from Pastor Ong, and many of y'all know the Ongs. We love Pastor Daniel and Connie. They've been in our lives for um, about 15 years now, maybe a little bit more. 
Uh, my, they're, 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 they're such um, wonderful people uh, to Matt and I, Pastor Matt and I, and to our children. They love our children. They're always blessing them. Like, man, they bless my children mightily, more so than anybody in my family does, the Ongs do. They're just wonderful people. And so uh, Pastor Ong was in uh, Ghana and in Africa, Ghana and Nigeria for about 12 years. And he planted many church in Ghana and in Nigeria. And if you know anything about Nigeria, it is a very hostile country to Christians. It's extremely hostile. My husband went with Pastor Ong um, to, to, look, to visit his churches in Ghana and in Nigeria several years ago. And Pastor Ong would not let him come into Nigeria with him. He said, no, it's not safe for you. You need to stay in Ghana because Ghana is a Christian nation. Nigeria is not. And so Pastor Ong goes back every year and he checks on his churches and there was a Nigerian man who was saved. And this Nigerian man was going everywhere saying, Jesus did this. Jesus did this. I am live. I was made whole. Jesus did this for me. And Pastor Ong had even said to him, he's like, you need to tone it down a little bit. This, you're, in a, you're in a Muslim country. Like, and he, and he was like, I, I can't, I can't stop. I can't stop telling people about Christ. I can't stop telling them what he did for me. I was made alive. I was made whole. How can I stop? And his own wife poisoned him. It's a true story. But he's alive with Christ. Do you think he cares right now? No, I guarantee you he doesn't care. He's been set free. He's alive with Christ forevermore, and we'll get to meet him someday, some of us. How could he not? How could he not spread the good news of Christ? How could he not give him honor and praise? Why are you silent? We have no such command. How can you not? What has happened to the zeal you had at the beginning? Where's the zeal you had at the beginning? Here might be a few reasons why you are still silent. You are still blind. Not everyone in the house of God is born again. The wheat and the chafe are together, and it's very difficult to distinguish between the genuine and the fake. Only God knows. And Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 13, another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. And the servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. And Paul confirms this to Timothy. He says, but in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. So each Paul tells us that in God's house, there's vessels of honor, and there's vessels of dishonor in the same house, growing together. And the object of the figure of the various vessels in the great house is to show that, that though everyone that names the name of the Lord ought to 
depart from sin and iniquity. Yet, we're not surprised if they do not. And that in the house of God, we are found professing Christians who, whose practice is inconsistent with the word of God. The mark of the Holy Spirit is not love. It's a changed life from sin to righteousness. Do we love? Yes. It's not the mark of the Holy Spirit. It's a changed life. You stop living in sin and you start living for the Lord. The Bible tells us that if we continue to sin, we do not know him. You're still blind. You have a chance to see today. Maybe you're silent because you have no faith. Jesus said, according to your faith, let it be to you. See, faith is required of God's people. Faith is required of us. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can't even please him. So there's a lot of people that believe in a false Jesus. Because there's a lot of false gospels floating around. There's the social justice Jesus. The prosperity Jesus. The hip, the hippie Jesus. The rebel Jesus. The buddy Jesus. Just I'm just called to love pacifist Jesus. And Jesus tells us. He tells us in Matthew 24, if you want to know what end time events are going to look like, go read Matthew 24. And he says, and if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And what Jesus is doing here, he is prophesying of a time when there's many churches, many doctrines, and many gospels that are proclaiming Jesus. Oh, look, here's Jesus. Look, there's Jesus. Look, this is Jesus. Look, there's Jesus. He said, don't believe him. There's one. Look here. If it's not the Jesus of the Bible, it's not Jesus. Jesus is the alpha, the omega, and he's the returning king, like eyes blazing like fire. And we just sang that. I was in my notes and I was like, you know, if you look throughout scripture and the gospels, there's not a description of what Jesus looks like. Do you know where it's at? Revelation. There's a description of what he looks like. And guess what? He don't look like what you think he looks like. (laughs) He's got eyes blazing like fire, feet of iron, hair like wool. It's Ezekiel's vision. It's Daniel's vision. It's the ancient of days vision. He is holy, he is righteous, he is love, and he is mercy. And people say, I believe, but your actions prove differently. You have faith in a false Christ. You have faith in yourself, faith in the government, faith in health care, faith in politicians. But where's your faith in the living God to heal and deliver? Faith to be made whole. Faith for him to provide. See, anyone can have faith on the mountain talk, top, or talk. But our, our, our faith is built in the day-to-day grind. That's where it's proved. That's where it's shown. Where nobody else is watching you and nobody else sees. It's in that time that faith is built. And we are promised that our faith will be refined by fire. 
That doesn't sound good to me. And this last year proved that what we are relying on to save us. Our faith is going to be refined by fire. Do you realize here that Jesus would have passed them by? He would have passed the men by. Unless they had cried out and followed him. We used to sing a song in my own church, in my old church where I got saved. It was, Savior, do not pass me by. Savior, hear my humble cry. While on others our calling, won't you hear my humble cry? They followed him and they cried out to him to be healed. And it was only by the faith and what they had heard about him. They didn't see. They couldn't see what was done. They heard. They heard people talking about him. They didn't see his miracles. They heard. And what, was, what they heard was enough for them to believe that he was Messiah and he could make them whole. Amen. Folks, blind people can't see. They need to hear. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing the word of God. They have to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. People have to hear the word of God or they don't have faith. It's faith in a false, false Christ. Luke 18 says, and shall God, shall God not avenge his own who own elect who cry out to him night and day? And though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the son of man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And these passages point to the latter days when, when things are so bad on this earth and there's chaos and the love of many grow cold, right? And these words are, are very difficult things to hear, but they're pointing to that second coming of Christ and, and it's been long delayed and the signs of the time are crazy. And, and he says, well I, well, I even find that true faith. Well, I even find that true faith because it's going gonna, it's gonna to die out, he says. Peter tells us of scoffers in the last days who shall say, where's the promise of his coming? Before that, Christ says, the love of many shall wax cold. That's agape love. That's not the love that you think it means. It's agape love. It says, even the faith of God's elect will in the last days be sorely tried. Faith hears and follows Jesus wherever he goes. And he cries out to him for every need. And faith speaks so others can hear. Maybe you're silent because you are apathetic. Enter the church of Laodicea. I'm going to read this. This is the last church of the ages. Now, I have studied the book of Revelation for probably 25 years. It was the first... I got saved 28 years ago. It was the first book of the Bible I ever read. So I like to know the end of all things. <laughs> and, and Jesus here is writing to a church. So don't think he's writing to, don't think it's written to unbelievers or the lost. It's written to believers. It's written to people in Christ. Now, the churches in Revelation are set up in an order. And if you notice, the lukewarm church is the very last church. It's the seventh church of seven churches. It's the last church. It's the last church of all ages. It's the last church age. You can just look around you and say, yes, we're living in a lukewarm age. Especially as I tell you what it means. You know, Laodicea actually means judgment of the people. 
Oh, isn't, isn't the sign, is that not the sign of the times? The judgment of, I can do what I want, I say what I want, and you know, you don't tell me what to do. <clears throat> to the angel of church of Laodicea, right? These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works and you're neither cold nor hot. I would wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold or hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. So this is not a good thing. Because you say, he says, you say this about yourself. He says, you say you're rich, you become wealthy, you've need nothing. This has nothing to do with money, folks. This has everything to do with spiritual things. And you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, oh, blind. There he says, the lukewarm are blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich and white garments that you may be clothed that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed and anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. And as many as I love, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. I rebuke and chasten. That word chasten in the Greek means to bring forth blood. So if Christ rebukes you, he loves you. If he chastens you, he loves you. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. These are the signs of lukewarmness. You do what you want to do. Because it's a judgment of the people. You obey some scriptures, you avoid others. You avoid church worship services or only come some of the time because it's your time and you can do what you want to do with your time. You avoid tithing and giving or only give some of, the, some of the time because it's your money and you can do what you want to do with it. You church hop because you can do what you want and you will not be subject to any authority. If your life is characterized by some and not all, then you might be lukewarm. And if you choose your comfort over obedience, you might be lukewarm. Take heart. He is rebuking you. He loves you. There's a scripture in Isaiah that's completely out of place. It fits no time in Israel's history. I have been studying this scripture specifically. God put this on, God put Isaiah 4.1 on my heart right after I got saved and I didn't know what it meant. And so pretty much for 28 years, I had been studying this scripture, trying to ask God, what does it mean? It's completely out of time. It's completely out of place. It fits no place in Israel's history. I, I have studied this. If it's no place in Israel's history, and I believe the Lord was showing me that it is last days. He says, and in that day, that day has to do with a specific day, specific time. Seven women shall take hold of one man. There's a number seven. We see the seventh church, the seventh, seventh church in Revelation, Laodicea, say we will eat our own food and we will wear our own apparel. Only let us be called by your name to take away our reproach, our reproach of what? Of not being married to you. This is the heart of lukewarmness. We will do what we want to do. We will wear our own garments. We will make decisions for our lives. We will spend our time and our money in the way and manner in which we want to. And we will not be subject to any biblical authority. Only let us be called by your name. Because we're not really married to you. And Christ tells us the lukewarm are spiritually blind and they don't know it. It's the sixth sense. I see lukewarm people and they don't know they're lukewarm. <laughs> Did I just give away the movie? 
Jesus counsels us to buy ISAB to see. Folks, the church is in a desperate, desperate condition. Anything I have said, it fits you. Just repent. Change your heart. Change your mind. Change your actions. You don't have to stay that way. But at least be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. He already knows. He is standing at the door knocking. Maybe you are silent because you have just forgotten. Jeremiah 2.32, can a virgin forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Well, there's that bride in attire. Yet my people have forgotten my day, me days without number. My people, this is the Lord speaking here. My people have forgotten me days without number. He said, I can't even count the number of days you've forgotten me. Have you forgotten that you were blind? Have you forgotten that you were lost? Have you forgotten that you were dead? And he opened your eyes. He brought you to life. Have you forgotten that you had no hope without Christ? No, you were lost. Have you forgotten that he washed you and he cleansed you and he made you a new creation? Have you forgotten what he's done for you? Second Peter 1 9 says, For he who lacks these things is short sighted even to blindness. Oh, he says, So if you lack these things, I'm going to tell you what you're lacking. You're still blind and has forgotten you. You're blind because you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. He says, What things were you lacking? This is the, the part in scripture where, where Peter's saying, Add to your faith virtue, add to virtue knowledge, right? We know that. So he said, If you lack faith, you're blind. You're still blind. You've forgotten what he's done. If you lack virtue, you've forgotten what he's done. If you lack knowledge of God's word, you've forgotten what he's done. If you lack self-control, you've forgotten what he's done for you. If you lack perseverance or godliness or brother kindness or love, you have forgotten what he's done for you. Maybe you're silent because you're not grateful. Gratefulness is the key to a happy and content heart. And those who are grateful to the Lord for what he has done are content in this life with whatever he provides, whether they have an abundance or they are in lack. And my life has not been easy. In fact, my life has been downright difficult. And some of it was not my own doing, but much of it was. I know what it's like to be orphaned. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like to be sexually molested. I know what it's like to do drugs at an early age and overdose. I know what it's like to be sexually immoral. I know what it's like to go without food. I know what it's like to not have a place to lay your head. I know what it's like to be in jail. See, I know I was a sinner. I, I know, I know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not claiming anything up here that I don't know about myself. I know who I was. And I know the depravity of my sin and that I was an offense against God. See, some of y'all don't even know that. You don't realize what you've been delivered for. You're not really grateful. I did not deserve what he did for me. 
I did not deserve his grace. I did not deserve his honor. I did not deserve for the spotless, sinless lamb of God to go to the cross for my sins. It was my sin that hung him there. I was an offense to God. I did not deserve his forgiveness, but God gave it to me in spite of me. And I am eternally grateful. And I live with a constant mindset of what Jesus did for me. I am not my own. See, ungrateful people accuse others of wrongdoing and refuse to look at their own wretchedness. Ungrateful people, right? Everything is always someone else's fault. They're not truly thankful for his sacrifice. They accuse everybody else of wrongdoing and they refuse to look at themselves. They're still haughty and prideful. And I wonder, are you even saved, bro? Are you even saved? If you're not grateful for what he's done, you didn't deserve it. How can you accuse anybody of anything? I was an offense to God. And he forgave me. How can you not forgive everyone of everything at any time? Shame on you. You're ungrateful. Philippians 4, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere in all things. I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Why? He tells the Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ. So I, I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. It's not me. I'm dead. That old man was dead. I'm a new creation. And Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you grateful? Paul was content in all things because he was grateful that Christ gave himself for him. Paul called himself the chief of all sinners. Chief, he's a, of all of all sinners, I'm the chief. Well, I'm 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 right under him. Then I don't know. I'm at whatever commander's under whatever's under chief. I'm right there with him. I'm, I'm right there with Paul. See, I I know. What do you have to complain about? Did he not do enough for you on the cross by giving you life when you, when you were blind and he made you to see? Was that not enough? Was that not enough to be able to see? You were blind. You were dead. He rose you from the dead. How can you not? How can you not spread the news about him? How can you not honor his name everywhere you go? How can you not? Maybe you are fearful. Fear is the great divider. The Lord showed me that over the course of this year. And I heard it as clear as a bell. Fear is the great divider. And there are a lot of people that will serve others. They give, they go on missions, they work in soup kitchens, they feed the homeless, they do all the like in the name of Jesus, but you never hear them proclaim him. Faith comes by hearing because they refuse to speak his word or talk about sin or talk about obedience, talk about the gospel. Why? Because they fear the reprisal of men. Folks, and I get it. Just shut up and serve others and they'll love you. Shut up and serve and they'll love you. Shut, just shut up. They'll love you for it. Don't, but don't tell me that. Don't tell me I'm a sinner that needs a savior. 
Don't tell me I'm living in sin. Don't tell me that. Tell someone there's sin or need of a savior. See what happens. Tell someone there's an actual heaven and a hell. And the only way you're getting to heaven is by the blood of Christ. That's the only way. Not all people go to heaven. I don't care what the world is telling you. Tell someone they're living in fornication. Talk about the miracle that he did for you and how he made you new and he cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Talk of spiritual gifts and speaking in tongues and people will label you a zealot. And I'm okay with it. I'm okay with that because, uh, you know, I have, I have family members that have told me that they don't know anyone as zealous as I am. I'm like, that's what I say. Hallelujah. Just, just tone it down. Just be quiet. Don't, don't speak in the name of Jesus. How can you not? How can I not preach his word? It's like fire in my bones. How can I not? One of my, uh, one of the things that God showed me a long time ago, and he's confirmed it, but with so many different people in so many different ways, God has called me to confront the sin in the church. I, I didn't choose this message. It was chosen for me. It's what God wants me to preach. And so you heard Pastor Jay Wednesday night talk about everything, every scripture that dealt with apostasy was given to me, not by Jay, by the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, really, again? <laughs> and I've cried out to God. I said, I don't want this message. And he said, that's the message. How can I not? How can I be silent? John chapter 10, the Jews answered Jesus saying, for a good work, we don't stone you. Oh, look at that. <laughs> but we're not going to condemn you for any good work that you do. We're not stoning you for any works that you do. We're supposed to do good works. I'm not saying not to do good works. We're supposed to do those things. But people aren't going to condemn you for doing good works. They're not going to stone you for doing good works. And their faith's not going to grow by you doing good works. Faith comes by hearing. The Bible tells us this. I'm not telling you this. It's God telling you this. The the, the scripture tells us this. He said, but for blasphemy, because you being a man, make yourself God. They tried to kill Jesus because he spoke good works. Or he did good works. They killed him or trying to kill him because he spoke and taught the word of God. They didn't like it. Acts 4, 18 through 20 says, so they called them and commanded them who the apostles not to speak, not to speak, not to, are you guys getting this? Not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. They weren't commanded to not do good works. They're like, Hey, you can go heal, go do whatever. Go heal people, go serve them. That's great. But just don't speak in Jesus' name. That's, that's what the gospel is. Peter and John answered and said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you can be the judge of that. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. How can you not? He said, we cannot but do this. How can you not? Christ tells us in Matthew chapter 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who's able to destroy both soul and body in hell. If you have the fear of God, you don't have to fear anything or anyone else. If you don't have the fear of God, you just fear everything else. You have the fear of God. You don't need to fear anything else. 
See, I don't, I don't care what you think about me. Do I want people to like me? Yeah, absolutely. But I just don't care anymore. I'm almost 50. I'm too old for that. <laughs> I care what he thinks about me. My life is lived to honor the Lord and to fulfill his calling on my life. I will get to the end of my race and I will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I did all you gave me to do. I did all that you told me to do. I spoke every word that you told me to speak. And our lives, uh, our purpose is to live lives that honor Jesus with our words and with our actions. How can you not? I'm going to end with Psalm 96. Uh, Angie's going to come up and play, please. You know, David messed up a lot in his life, but you know what? One thing he did right, he didn't care what people thought about him. He praised the Lord with all his might before everybody. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim the good news of his salvation from day to day. Every day. When you rise, when you go down. Every day, declare his glory among the nations and his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and he's greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. And worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. Let the field be joyful and all that's in it. And then the trees of the woods will rejoice before the Lord. See, the, the trees know how to give him glory. The trees know how to pronounce his name everywhere. For he is coming. He's coming back. You better be ready. For he is coming to judge the earth. He's not coming back as the lamb. He's coming back as the lion. And he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with his truth. Amen. Bow your heads. I want to give you a chance to respond to the message of God. And here's the thing, you know, when when you hear a word of God and God, the Holy Spirit pricks you, you need to respond because the enemy comes immediately to steal that word. And so if anything here today fits you, then wear it. Respond to it. If you need to repent, repent. If you've been lukewarm, repent. If you've been ungrateful, repent. If you've been faithless, repent. If you've been fearful, repent. Let the word do its work. Let God do his job in you. And if you're here today 
and you can say, I'm still, I'm still blind. I've not been made new. I want to give you a chance right now to be made new. Folks, the Bible says that neither is there salvation in any other name given among men whereby we might be saved. It is only in the name of Jesus through the blood of Christ that we can be saved. Not everyone's going to be in heaven. Only those that have the blood of Christ applied to their life have entrance into the heaven. And if the blood of Christ has never been applied to your life, if you're still living in sin, you're still blind, you need to repent right now. And I just want to give you an opportunity. If you want someone to pray with you, raise your hand. The Lord is here. The Holy Spirit is here to draw you to the Father. Don't let this moment pass you by. Do not be embarrassed. Is there anybody here who says, I, I need the Lord? If you've been far away from God, today's your chance to return and come back and come running back to Him. He receives all those that wonder. So just come back and he's ready to receive you with open arms. He wants to love you and welcome you back. And if you were chastened today, say, thank you, Lord, that you love me enough to chasten me. Father God, I thank you for this word, Lord, that was burning my heart how can we not spread your name how can we not spread your honor and fame Lord how can we not Lord work in the midst of our church God work on your people work in our lives Lord draw us near Father the time is short let us receive this word with joy Father and bring forth fruit for your kingdom God, we give you all honor, all praise, all glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being online with us today. I want to remind you, if you're not a follower on Facebook, please like our page on YouTube. Please subscribe. Follow us on Twitter. Tell all your friends. Continue to watch online. We thank you for watching. We love you so much. Have a great day.